This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, thanks for listening. Who's your favorite hero or heroine? The caped crusader, Superman, woman or girl? Are you a Justice League or an Avengers admirer? Perhaps you've heard not all heroes wear capes. This has certainly been true since COVID-19 invaded and caused the worst public health crisis in a century. It is for certain that not all heroes have capes. Some wear scrubs and others drive forklifts. We've heard about our frontline healthcare workers who indeed are our heroes and all the recognition and accolades attributed to them are deserved. Let me introduce you to some other heroes that I know. They show up every day regardless if the COVID-19 virus is spiking or not. They show up to make sure senior citizens and children who need food get some. They are the men and women of America's food banks, Michigan's seven Feeding America food banks who serve all of Michigan's 83 counties, rise each day with little regard to their own health to sort food, drive forklifts, load semi-trailers, and drive to distributions where hundreds of cars wait in line hoping they will get food for their families. They rise early, they stay late, they sort package, and distribute food to all who need it. The Food Bank Council of Michigan's network has distributed 50% more food than prior to the pandemic, and some days it still isn't enough. The average distribution statewide has grown from 2.6 million pounds to 4.5 million, and it doesn't happen by accident. Our team members, professionals in food safety, stand in the gap sometimes with PPE and sometimes without it, to make sure the food gets to the people who need it most. They serve, they give, and they've done so every day of the pandemic with distinction and honor. They know the people in our communities need them, and so there are no days off, no excuses, no misdistributions, because if they do, there is some child somewhere in Michigan who will go hungry. They are frontline workers, heroes all. Today, Jerry Brisson and I share with you about the amazing people from across our network that do this great work of getting food to people who need it. You come back and join Jerry and me in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. And Jerry, thank you for being here. Another um, another show for Food First Michigan in a yeah. pandemic. Here we are, 2021. We're uh, we're rocking the Casbah here in our home studios, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I I will say that after months and months of not being in the studio, I really do miss it. 
Uh, I miss seeing you and, and seeing Mark, who's a tremendous guy and an awesome producer, and even just walking through the building, you know. Uh, I don't miss uh, having to park in the winter in the parking lot, though. <laughs> I don't miss the uh, elevators in the Fisher Building. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. But, but, I don't miss but, those. Here we are. We're making it work and uh, innovation and, you know, uh, adapting and pivoting. And part of the reason I wanted to start with that is because if we're going to talk about the heroes working in our food banks across the state, that has been the name of the game this whole year. It's been adapting and pivoting and learning. And, and as we understand more and as different relief packages are passed and as uh, different people want different things in terms of uh, who gets what food, that team has had to pivot almost on a daily basis as things have come and gone, and they are amazing. They keep track of all that inventory. They make sure the food is safe. I mean, food safety is one of the biggest responsibilities of food banks. It's something that people don't think about much, but when you're in this work, food safety is the thing you think about every day. No food on the floor. No messes anywhere. You don't spill things. You don't eat in the warehouse. I mean, <laughs> it's, and why? We don't want to have any problems uh, once the food leaves our place, we want to make sure that the people that get it who are already vulnerable have absolutely safe food. And so, um, and so it's not just boxes in and boxes out. And every single day, our operations people are staying on top of that. I'll, I'll tell you another thing. Food recalls. There are food recalls every week. And, and so what happens is some food is processed incorrectly or labeled incorrectly or has some problem maybe there's salmonella or something that would be dangerous and we get notified now we don't get all of our food in case lots right we have to inventory boxes of food from food drives and all over the place in different ways so when there's a recall we have to go through everything and make sure that we get that out of the distribution and we have to track what's already gone out so that we can call people and say, hey, you picked this up yesterday, we just got the recall today, and do you know that within 24 hours of any recall, all of the products that have been recalled are back and disposed of. Wow. That's, and that's just what food banks do, because that's what you have to do if you're going to be in this work. You have to care about food safety first. We monitor every temperature of every product. We know how long it's been there. We know what temperature it's been at the whole time it's been there. We know when we got it. We know who we gave it to. I mean, it's, it's a lot of tracking of stuff. And we still are 93 cents of every dollar for, for gleaners, and I know even better for some food banks, uh, goes to our mission in spite of all of the administration that we have to do. So, I mean, there's a lot to be proud of in, in the work of the food banks in normal times. Uh, but even during the pandemic, those same standards are still there, right? The food safety standards yeah. do not change. Even if, I mean, I'll tell you what I wish. I wish we could do a radio video, right? Some people call that TV, I guess. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but if it, uh, you know to paint the picture of walking in our distribution center and seeing floor to ceiling um, cases and pallets of food that are going to be gone in 20 minutes, but they're going to be new pallets of food in the next 20 minutes. When you talk about the increase in distribution, you're talking about those pallets moving, 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 moving. 
and you're still keeping track of temperatures, and you're still making sure there's no messes on the floor, and you're still making sure that you can track everything down to the last pound so that if there's ever a recall, we can make sure we serve the community well. That's just trying to paint a picture of what sure. our heroes and our team in our distribution centers are doing every single day at food banks across the state and across this country. Well, I think, Jerry, that you bring up the first and most important point, and that is food safety. It is a non-negotiable for uh, our seven food banks here that serve all of Michigan's 83 counties as a part of the Food Bank Council. It's, it's the highest value, and a value is, is a non-negotiable. Um, you know, I know there have been instances uh, with some of the federal programs, uh, CFAP in particular, that maybe food got delivered to the wrong distribution point or some kind of a, a mix-up, and that food would sit there for the better part of a day, and then, you know, they would say, wait, we, we've got more food here, or we can't distribute this much food, or any of it for that matter. Uh, and they would call the food banks and say, and I've even had this conversation with some state legislators who organize food um, food distributions on their own, uh, trying to serve their community, which is admirable. But then when they don't have enough people there and they have more food, they'll say, hey, food bank, can't you come and get this food? And the first question that gets asked of them is, tell me about your food safety protocols. And about 30 seconds after that, <laughs> you realize that you can't take that food because it hasn't followed those safety uh, protocols. And, it, it, and it's a shame because we, we want all the food that we can to distribute as much as we can, but at the same time, we're never going to compromise that value in regard to food safety. Yeah, and so uh, the other part of that, though, is we work with our networks to make sure they know it too. So when we have issues like what you just described, it's almost always people who have never done it before. It's the first time they, 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 they get the food, they're, they, they're, they're really trying their best. So in many cases, they hear about a program like the Farm to Families program. They want to take advantage of it because they know people in their church or people in their community need the food. They say, I'll help. They raise their hand, I'll help. That's awesome, right? They get the food, and the, and the first amount of food that gets distributed to those families is perfect and exactly what needs to happen. But as the day goes on and as fewer people come and maybe it's too warm and, and maybe they didn't think about how long that food was going to be sitting out there and they don't have refrigeration and they don't have freezer or any other kind of capacity when it starts to get warm, well, these farm-to-family boxes are what we call combo boxes. They have milk, they have produce, and they have canned goods all in one box. Well, if you don't know how to keep that refrigerated, that milk is going to go bad. Well, okay, right. what happens if you give out a spoiled gallon of milk? What happens? Well, people get sick. They might not kill somebody, but, but it's not going to make them feel good, right? And so, you know, it behooves us as food banks to train the people that work with us not to do that. And we do that. That is exactly what we do. And, and it's well appreciated. 
We have food safety right. and food service training for all of our partners. We offer that multiple times of year. Again, every food bank in the state does this, right? So that right. we can make sure that everyone involved, whether they're paid staff or volunteers, has a rudimentary understanding of what you really have to have in place. And that's why uh, there's so much success in this network uh, across the state with making sure people don't get sick from the food that gets distributed. And it's really, uh, it's really a testament, again, when you talk about what does heroism look like sometimes it looks like a whole lot of discipline yeah it looks like professionalism right exactly and, right I mean, even what, better i love that yeah you know, that's why i see the folks in our operations team uh whether they're sorting food or packing a box or driving a forklift they're professionals in food safety because when you do distribute that gallon of milk that's tainted what you what you lose is trust Absolutely right. And, and, and that's something you cannot afford to lose. Right. Um, that's right. It cancels the hope that goes with the food, and, and your trust is violated. And, you, you know, now you got to earn that back. And you just don't want to be in a position. That's why it's a non-negotiable for us. And we're dependent on our heroes and the operations unit of our seven food banks to ensure that that trust is always kept. You know, it's really funny. We've had this conversation before, Doctor, where, where you've said to me, do you, really, do, do you really say to people they have to be perfect? And I'm like, well, I say to people that they don't have to be perfect, but there are some things that have to be perfect, and this is one of them. Right? Yeah, you, this right. has to be perfect. There are zero mistakes in food safety. Zero. This has to be perfect. And we get inspected we inspect ourselves. We, I mean, it is, and you know, it's, it's like, well, who wants to listen to food safety for a 20 minute segment? But I, I'm telling you, it is, um, it is so important to, to reiterate that in the middle of the pandemic, when, when you could have excuses, you cannot have excuses about food safety. Well, no excuses here. And uh, we'll make no excuses as we leave this segment and go to the next one. Jerry is back with me here, Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson. This is Food First Michigan, the only show that we're aware of in America that is dedicated to solving food security, food insecurity. Thanks for listening. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here, your host for Food First Michigan. And uh, Jerry, we're, today we're talking about heroes in our operations team. Um, and, you know, I ask our food banks for uh, some testimonials. Tell me about your team and tell me about someone like a, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, the most valuable player on your operations team. You know what the reaction to that question was across the network? I, I don't know that I can pick one person. I don't know that I can tell you about one person because it is truly all a team effort. And, and it's really true about the entire work. I mean, you're talking about in the pandemic growing the infrastructure to support distributions that grew by 2 million pounds a week. 
And so that that took a lot of growth. That took a lot of planning, looked uh, a lot of organizing, and it, both inside the warehouse and outside the warehouse. And I just think it's you know for for me, I'm not a food banker. I play one on the radio, but you know <laughs> I, I I I'm 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 actually intrigued, impressed, and appreciative of the work of these operations folks that during this pandemic, I'm telling you, no days off. They've been there every day. Yeah. And I don't don't think you can minimize that. No, it's true. Uh, And, of course, we were watching the winter months coming. Uh, The pandemic started as winter was ending, right? And so you were looking into summer, and you knew you were going to have some hot days or some rainy days, but fundamentally, you know, ways to tolerate that kind of environment. As as winter comes, you you worry more about snowy days and icy days and super cold days, and of course, all of that has to be managed in the in the logistics of of everything that people do. And so, what you would expect is to see people grousing about it, right? Complaining, and you would expect to see people going, I don't, I don't want to do this, right? But in fact, you don't see that at all. You know, when when our people go out there to to work in that kind of weather. What you hear them say is, I feel sorry for the people that have to be out in this weather to get this food. You don't hear them say, I feel sorry for myself. You hear them say, you know, I really feel for the people that have to be out in this weather to come get this food. I mean, and so that it it is it is a very uplifting part of our reality. Now, I'm not going to paint a totally sunny picture. I mean, anyone can have a bad day and anyone can have a complaint now and again. And of course, we're not perfect. But but I do feel like the team overall keeps an incredibly positive attitude focused on the people we're serving and that's what makes it great to work at a food bank i mean you know you can walk through here any day of the year i don't care what day i don't care if it's if it's the day after you know something terrible has happened and the people in this food bank are going to remember that there are people out there who need help and that's why they're here and whatever has you know happened that that that's disruptive or or sad is secondary to we're going to feed this community and we're going to make sure they have what they need. Nobody wants to see a hungry child, not any one of the, uh, of the people that work in the food bank. And, you know, one of the things you say, doctor, is to be a leader, right? You need the, the heart of a shepherd, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros, right? Right. I have to say that I think of my team as all of them having some of those leadership characteristics, at least, or some of all of them, right? Not everyone is going to be the CEO. Not everyone is going to be a department head. But if you go talk to someone driving a forklift, even if they've only been here for a month, you are going to see the, the heart of a shepherd, the mind of a scholar, and the height of a rhinoceros when it comes to feeding this community, and it is, uh, it is really a tremendous honor to lead a team like that. Well, Jerry, one of the things that you talked about, uh, that we talked about, and we were uh, kind of prepping for the show, it used the word pivot quite often about this operations team, and in the, in the first segment, you talked about it again. I want to give you an example of one of our teams across the network pivoting and get your comments. This comes from a uh, this comes from Tina Martinez, who is uh, the operations, the COO at, at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. Now, they serve 22 out of Michigan's 83 counties. They're, uh, they're in, based out of Flint, and then they go up into the Thumb and, you know, toward Alpena. Those are their counties, many rural counties, but also Flint, who has been, 
you know, uh, assaulted with the water crisis for some years now. Here's, here's a couple of things from, from Tina. The pandemic has certainly been a challenge and opportunity for our food bank. Notice that first statement. The pandemic has been a challenge and an opportunity. So you got to love that attitude right off the bat. Our operations team has learned to be fluid throughout this, not knowing what we will face around the next corner. And she goes on to talk about uh, the food and, and uh, the increase in emergency food boxes. She says started in May, and by the end of December, uh, Food Bank of Eastern Michigan alone had distributed over a half a million boxes, totaling about almost 15 million pounds of food. It's incredible the work. The scale of this work is just mind-blowing, and I think it taught us all a lot about our capacity and our capabilities. But none of that happens if you're not willing or if you're not able to be fluid, as Tina says, and pivot, as you say. You know, when, when you talk about this, one, uh, another saying, a favorite saying, is you don't know your capacity until you reach it. Right. You can only think, <laughs> right. you know, but when you reach it, then, you know, right. Uh Oh, I'm at my capacity. And and certainly I've bumped my head on that ceiling a few times. Now, uh, God knows that ceiling is a little lower for me than it is for you, doctor. But that's well, a different. I don't, that's I don't a different know about interview. that. <laughs> <laughs> but but that is the when you actually get close to your capacity is a very stressful time for people generally. Right. You, you start to feel like maybe you're going to lose control. And so what happens when, when you have that feeling, when your insides start to quiver a little bit and you start to shake and tremble because you're not sure you're going to be able to stay on top of everything that has to be done? So, so I will say what you've just said about um, uh, the, the attitude of, you know what, the pandemic has been a challenge and an opportunity um, is a great response to that kind of stress. You know, to say the opportunity is to hit what you thought was your capacity and find ways to, to make it greater, right? Find ways to grow beyond what you thought your limit was before. And, of course, that is, the, that is what pivoting often means. It means I, I, we can be greater. And for, for managers of complex systems and processes... It means a whole team of people that has to come with you. So there's so many skills involved in all that, you know. But it's the heart. I guess, what, what do we call heroism? Where does that come from? It's not just about being able to do strong things or amazing things. It's about, in the midst of doing those amazing things, being committed to something greater than whatever you need right? It's, mm -hmm. it, there's something about that commitment to something beyond, something bigger. And that's what, you know, when I meet operations people, uh, you know, from every food bank, but certainly all the people in, in Flint and the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, who I've been, had the privilege of being with many times, um, you see that commitment to something beyond. And, uh, and of course, that's what the movement looks like. And that's the energy that we get that we want to share on our show and, and spread around to this whole state of Michigan. We want to have a food secure network in part because these heroes are the ones we're working with. And it makes us excited and it makes us believe in our ability to do all these things. Well, I'll close this segment out, Jerry, with, um, 
you know, another one of our, our, our sayings, and that is, you know, it's because it, everybody's emphasizing their team. It's a team effort. It's a team that does this work. Um, and while it's difficult to point out just one most valuable player or person on that team, they always talk about teamwork makes the dream work. But, you know, if you break team down, it also says that together everyone accomplishes more. Yeah. But I think we could take that and just change it a little bit and say that team to us in the food banks means that together everyone accomplishes the mission. And the mission for us is a food secure state. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, we're back in just a moment. Come back and be with us, please. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here and we're talking about heroes in our own food banks, the seven food banks that serve all of Michigan. Um, they were the ones that have really been moving the food, Jerry. Um, I mean, I know everybody has a role to play, and it's important from fund development people and, and marketing people and communications people, but, man, these folks that are moving so much food, uh, where would we be without them? Yeah, that's right. You know, when we talk about pounds, it's an idea. When they talk about pounds, it's their back, their legs, and their arms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's easy for me to say the network increased by two million pounds every week during the, right. you know, through the course of the pandemic. That's an entirely different thing if you're loading that semi. That's exactly right. Pounds feel a lot different when they're attached to your arms and you're moving them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God bless them for sure. So, Jerry, you know, under Blue Skies, uh, transportation uh, of food to to across the state, um, whether it's a, a, a rural area or a more concentrated urban area, uh, is a challenge. It's a challenge for food banks. It's a challenge for food bankers to keep drivers and have drivers and enough drivers and qualified drivers and, um, and drivers who are mature and understand the work and uh, are willing to do just that. Um, I want to tell you a story about uh, a driver. His name's Chuck. And he works at Feeding America West Michigan, which covers about half of our state, and uh, has some long drives. Uh, so he's he's a truck driver for a for a mobile distribution. Uh, he he's not been in the position very long. He he retired, and then he came to this position. And I think that happens quite a bit in our network. Um, so this was his first experience with food insecurity. So he, he drives his truck, and he pulls up to the distribution site, which is in New Buffalo. It, 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 it occurs to Chuck that um, this is where he went to high school. And so it was quite an eye-opener to see folks that he went to high school with coming through the line, he says, was really quite sobering. And, you know, I think when, when like this pandemic when someone you know gets this virus, then all of a sudden COVID-19 becomes a lot more real to us. It's not just some idea out there. And I don't think that food insecurity and people who are struggling under that stress is any different. When it hits a little closer to home, 
I think our eyes get a little bit wider and we begin to understand that this is far more widespread, far more prevalent, particularly under the, the crisis of a pandemic, than what any of us would have thought or realized. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I... So it's 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 hard not to be um, very sober about the story you just told, and when you see somebody you went to high school with um, coming through a food line because they just can't make ends meet, and it doesn't feel like something to celebrate, right? Now we know that part of what we do is a cause for celebration, right? By by providing the relief to that person and and knowing that we can enable them to move on to their next challenge, right? We're going to take hunger off the table for them. But when you're in the minute, even when you're in the work, even when you know that you're going to provide relief that's going to be meaningful, it's still pretty shocking to see somebody in need. It is. And and it's something you don't want to think about, really. You don't want to... And, and I wonder how much of that has to do with all of us being a paycheck or two away from being in need ourselves. So... So what we hope when, when these things happen is we develop empathy, right? That we say, gosh, whatever the face of hunger, whatever I thought that was before, I now know it's at least somewhat different than I thought because my imagination didn't include my high school classmates. But now it does. Now it does because I saw them there in my line. And part of the reason why when we, when we first started the show, we talked about we want to change the conversation about hunger. This is one of the key elements of the conversation that we wanted to change is who is hungry. It's not the homeless person that's in your mind necessarily. It's your high school mm-hmm. classmate, right? That's who's hungry, right? It's, it, and, you know, people still can't believe it. And I know, I know. I was just on a, in a conversation with one of our donors the other day who said, Jerry, I just can't believe it. I, I just have a hard time believing it. And I'm like, you know what? I get it. I get it. When something is so outside your experience, it's like, how can this be true? And so what I always say to people is come look. Come look. Mm-hmm. But don't just come and look. Come and volunteer. Come and spend some time serving. And, and don't think of this as, you know, uh, a spectator sport. <laughs> you got to get your uniform dirty, right? This is, this, is, this is something where if you really want to understand this and know the face of hunger, you got to come down. You got to put your time in, and you really got to see this day after day after day. Now, I know not everyone has time to do that. But if you don't have time to do that, then what I'm going to ask you to do is trust and believe what we're telling you. Your high school classmates are struggling with hunger. They are not going to say that to you, but they are. And, it's, and it, is, um, it, is, it is a lot more sobering, as you said, doctor, when you realize that. And in that moment, it's hard to be anything but a little bit sad and a little bit shocked. Yeah, I think that was Chuck's experience. But I think that it, mo- you know, it moved him. You know, let, you know he's, he's, Chuck's a, a truck driver who is... Uh, you know, moved into his retirement years, and this was a job that he could do to, to uh, in my estimation, something that we all face as the shadows get a little closer to us. I think we're all examining a little bit about our life, and we're, we're trying to find the push and the pull, the right tension between success and significance. And I think that, that, that Chuck, maybe as a driver for whoever he was driving for, um, found some success. 
And now I think as the shadows get a little closer, he's looking for some significance. And yeah. he found that as a yeah. driver in the food bank. And because he says one of the things that's, uh, that's really eye-opening to him uh, was how appreciative the people are of the food that he brings and uh, the kindness that they extend to him, always wishing him safe travels on his way back and thanks for coming. Um, you know, I think, Jerry, all of us struggle with that tension of success and significance. And what we want to do is find that, that, that something that is bigger than we are that will last longer than we do. Yeah. And I think Chuck's found that. I think, I think we found that. And I would inter entertain that everybody listening to this show that maybe has found more, their success, but they're still looking for a little more significance, could find it in partnership with their local food bank. They might not be a driver, but they could all be a volunteer. Yeah, absolutely right. And the volunteers have always been amazing and, and continue to be amazing. You know, uh, uh, one more thought that I have on, on this whole thing, and really as it relates to the pandemic, is, you know, you watch movies with the um, with the uh, the Secret Service, and 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 the the Secret Service guy will always talk about being willing to take a bullet, right? I'm willing to take a bullet. They have to be willing to take a bullet just as part of their job, right? Well, when the pandemic hit, and our staffs had to really make a decision about, am I going to be willing to go out there and be exposed to this virus? And at the beginning, nobody really knew exactly how dangerous it was or what the likelihood was going to be that they were going to get it and what would happen to them if they did. Every one of those people had to be willing to, in a way, take a bullet. Now, I know it's not quite the same thing, but when you talk about heroes and you talk about, you know, what normal average, everyday people that you see on the street are willing to do when the time comes because their neighbors need them, that attitude is amazingly heroic. It's a sobering, but it's an important discussion today about the heroes that are standing in the gap for the folks in need across all our communities. Join Jerry and me back for one more segment here on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us in uh, this important discussion today between Jerry and I about our operations heroes. And uh, Jerry, I, I'm, I'm waiting on the numbers. I, I don't have them yet, and I probably shouldn't even bring this up, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, our record across the network uh, prior to this year was about uh, a little over 200 million pounds of food distributed during the, the year. Um, I have indication that we probably passed that sometime in July. Yeah, uh, right, right. As, a, as a network, so I don't have the raw, the last. You know, I'm going to have that in a few days, um, but but we've we've lapped ourselves, um, and and again, I want to talk about the teams and the the heroes that they all are who go and do this work day in, do that day out no excuses and and as you pointed out in food safety there's there's no room for mistakes but you know jerry i it comes back to the need uh the people in the community that that we're we we've we've distributed 50 percent more food but we've also had 50 percent more need at least during these weeks and months of the pandemic and we don't see that ending anytime soon so um do it for the people we do it for our communities, and, um, and our folks stand in the gap for them every day. 
They do, and uh, and it's good to remember, and it's good, you know, for, for people who don't know the food bank, and I'll tell you, uh, the, when I give tours of the food bank, which doesn't happen so much during COVID, but which was certainly a regular part of our life before, the first thing people would do when they walked in would go, whoa, this place is huge. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I know, when you see the numbers and you go, oh, yeah, millions of pounds, millions of pounds, millions of pounds... <laughs> don't really go you probably need a pretty big distribution center to get those pounds in and out and of course you do but that distribution center isn't a building it is a place where people come and do heroic things every day it is a place where we celebrate the donations of food and the low cost that farmers give us directly from their farms so many farmers only charge us what it costs to harvest the food so that we can get that food to hungry people we're so grateful for the the federal government relief that's come and and the state of michigan relief that's come to help the people we serve and i know that our teams feel part of this bigger broader community of folks that care and heroism is built from that foundation. I fundamentally believe that love is the strongest motivator and the, and the most sure way of making a change in the community. And, uh, and, and we see it in our food banks. That's great, Jerry. Thanks. Time for a little food for thought. Pat Riley said, hard times don't create heroes. It is during the hard times when the hero within us is revealed. I think we still need to believe in heroes. And our food bank heroes have increased our distribution by 2 million pounds of food a week. What would our state look like if these seven Feeding America food bank teams were not on the front lines doing their jobs? Can you imagine? Our teams continue to stand in the gap, make sure food gets to families in need, so they can find relief from the toxic stress of being food insecure. Someone said, you should never meet your heroes. Well, I can tell you, you should meet mine. My heroes drive forklifts, trucks, and sort food every day. They wear food bank shirts, not capes, but maybe they should. They make sure we are keeping our mantra real. They are indeed keeping Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.